Welcome to The New Normal with Lucas Rosenfield. Today we are very fortunate to be joined by two special guests and friends of the show, Noah Syndicom and Luke Dawson, and we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic that I think is very important, particularly for young people like us. And this topic relates to nightclubs and parties and festivals and just how soon we think that these businesses are going to be able to open again and how they're going to be able to operate in the future because I think it's pretty clear that there are going to be increased guidelines in place for these businesses. So we're going to be exploring what these things could be and if these industries really do have a prominent future ahead of them or whether things are going to be extremely tough for them. So it's really nice to have you guys here and I'm really looking forward to this. How are you guys doing? Um, good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having yeah, us. Thanks for having me. Bro. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's great to have you guys here. So look, obviously we've all gone out a few times in our life. Some maybe a few more than others. Um, so I think that obviously this isn't a nice situation for anyone, right? That we are all cooped up at home. And although we will see the lockdown lift eventually, and this, I think, whatever becomes our new normal will obviously be phased in quite slowly. So just straight off the bat, how long do you think it's going to be before these clubs are going to be able to open up again? Um. Well, I'll, I guess, Dawson, do you want to go first? Or Yeah, sure. Thanks, Noah. Um, well, realistically, I think the country will slowly begin to reopen, as we've seen um, from the news reports. But I think in the long term, it will be very difficult for these nightclubs to open up but simply because of the hygiene um, and how the nightclubs function. Um, and I think, you know, we'll only really see these nightclubs, you know, providing that the we flatten the curve completely. Um, I can only see these nightclubs opening midway through 2021. So next year. Yeah. Um, simply because as the businesses slowly reopen, um, you know, they'll be able to make it work. Whereas nightclubs, they rely on customers coming in during the night, very close proximity. So it will be very difficult for these nightclubs to reopen. And also they, during this process, they will be losing millions in the process. And I'm sure some of them will have to shut down. So it will be very interesting to see how these nightclubs will fare during these next coming months. Yeah, I know for sure. So, I mean, I think you mentioned hygiene there, and that's really important. So, look, it's pretty obvious that when you go into a club, it's it's not a very clean environment on the whole. Like, people will spill drinks everywhere, and everyone is in a lot of close proximity to each other, which is obviously quite dangerous when we're speaking about coronavirus, which is a disease that spreads so, so quickly and easily between people. So, I mean, Noah, what do you think are going to be some of the hygiene measures that clubs are either going to have to have in place or will just be putting in place just as a really a safety precaution to protect the lives of the people who are going there. So my personal opinion is that actually um, these nightclubs shouldn't be allowed to, or any sort of like nightclub festival or house party. I don't think that people should really be having that or going to nightclubs until this coronavirus is um, 
completely gone because if you even have one person going into a nightclub, even if there's hand sanitizer and it's reasonably clean in the nightclub, that one person, even without knowing it, could infect everyone in that nightclub. And obviously from that, you know, we could have this whole virus sort of pandemic starting all over again. So for me personally, I really don't think they should be allowed to open up until the virus is completely wiped out. Um, so I don't really think there are any sort of precautionary measures that they could take against this virus to protect the people in it. Because obviously nightclubs are extremely crowded places. So if you were to implement any sort of social, any sort of efficient social distancing within the nightclubs, you know, you would have maybe 10, 20 people in them, which is yeah. pointless. Just to yeah. um, add on to Noah's mm. point. Sorry, Lucas. Um, no, it's cool. So as you've seen, basically um, our biggest hope at the moment during this pandemic is that the, the pathologists come up with a cure or a, um, sorry, the word lost, vaccine. I lost the word, um, a vaccine, vaccine. <laughs> a vaccine, <laughs> a vaccine. Um, and I was reading the article today and basically provided they make good progress, let's say halfway through next year, they come up with a vaccine, right? And they've done the testing um, yeah. in the labs and it's safe realistically how will they be able to distribute these vaccines to 40 percent of the world's population because in order for these vaccines to be effective 40 percent of the world's population has to have access to these vaccines and have a vaccine mm. um, as it's yeah. seen with a lot of the flu vaccines today so we're looking at around you know three billion people just about who yeah. need to have access to these vaccines um and as you said no you know Say, for instance, the, you know, the curve is completely flattened and over the next few months, nightclubs are opened up, which I don't think, thinking about it now, no is completely right. These nightclubs shouldn't be opened at all until this pandemic has completely cleared up, which is a harsh reality to face, I think. But it's the same, you know, at universities, you, you are in relatively close proximity, you're in a and also the hygiene isn't that bad in the lecture theaters mm. where there are 400 people sitting down, one person coughs, they have the coronavirus. And next thing you know, nearly 200 people mm. get the coronavirus. So it is a very difficult situation that the nightclubs are in at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a nightclub by nature is very difficult to control in terms of implementing social distancing. It's basically impossible. Mm. As, as Noah pointed out, it, there's no point mm. going out if you're going to be having a joel in this, you know, decently sized venue, but there are only 10 of you there. I mean, it might be fun if it's just you and the boys, but like realistically, <laughs> as a business, they, they can't operate on that. Mm, they, the only way that they can actually make money is if they maybe not fill it up every night, but like are able to have enough people in there who are going to be spending enough money on drinks. And also another thing we have to consider with this is, what's going to be happening with the economy because at the end of the day going out and it isn't really not a, a cheap thing i mean often you go to a lot of clubs and you're paying really huge amounts of money for really average drinks that mm. you know it's it's not worth it when people are going to have to be saving their money just to put food on their table i mean 
how can you like in a sort of thinking about it positively, how are you going to make a decision when it comes like to go out when you know that sure you might spend now 200 rand going out, but imagine the amount of food and the actually essential things that you could, you could do with that money. So I think that's another mm. factor we have to consider. Something I'd also and, completely. I'd like to add to that is that yeah, sure. Like I obviously agree with you that people should be spending their money on essential like goods. Um, but I, most of the people that I know that go out to most, I, I'm assuming that most of the people that go out, they're more in the middle sort of middle class bracket and the upper um, lower income brackets. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily think that someone who's struggling to like put food on the table and struggling to survive would be the type of person to go out. I'm not sure what you guys think about that, but I definitely think it wouldn't really be necessarily your lower income people who are going out to nightclubs or to festivals and to those types of things. Yeah. I mean, look, I think like different clubs are priced very differently. I mean, if you go on long street where, you know, they're, they're oh, I don't actually don't know the exact number, but there are a lot of different places that cater for a lot of different people. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see different crowds going to different places. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of people, no matter how much money you have, still want to be able to go out and still do go out. They might not go to the same sort of mm. upper tier, upper class, very fancy clubs where you are paying these huge prices for entrance and for drinks. And, you know, they try bring international DJs every once in a while and stuff like that. So I think going out is almost a universal thing. It's not necessarily limited to how much money you have, but I think with people just generally going to be having a lot less money on the whole, it definitely is going to impact on a lot of people's abilities to go out. And that probably impacts the very expensive clubs just as much as it impacts the very cheap clubs. Mm. Um, Because people just won't be able to afford to these, to go to these very expensive clubs and to, to these very cheap clubs who really rely on maybe a lot of people coming in to make more money because their entrance is very low and the drinks are very cheap. Like for those places, I don't know, just don't think that many people are going to be even allowed into these venues, even once we see a vaccine. Because to be honest, if we're thinking about this logically and how we prevent a further pandemic, we can't just go back to like no social distancing, whatever. I mean, at the very least, I think all these places are going to have to decrease their capacity. They're going to have to have a lot of hand sanitizer. I mean, like... (laughs) In the week before lockdown, a lot of these places try to justify staying open by saying, oh, yeah, we'll decrease our capacity. We'll only let the first 80 people in. Yeah. We'll have hand sanitizer at a bunch of different stations. But, again, that's not sustainable in the long term. Like, So I think a lot of these places are going to have to adopt their business model very, very seriously because there might just not be that much of a future in this industry. Yeah, that's a, but I mean, what do you think about that and sort of capacity? Uh, that's actually a very good point. Um, I remember also the week before. I think it, the third, the when universities got closed on that Monday or that Tuesday and that Wednesday after that, um, the nightclubs in Claremont had like extremely good specials where it was extremely cheap to get a drink, and I think that's actually. Oh yeah, they were selling it as an all-week party. Yeah, I think that's a very irresponsible Ridiculous. thing for businesses to do, and I think that. You know, after seeing the way that those businesses behave, I won't. I wouldn't really expect them to be responsible about a post-pandemic sort of 
going out lifestyle. Like I wouldn't like those types of clubs if they're doing those types of things while there's a while we're about to go into a lockdown and after schools, universities, and those types of things have been cancelled. I wouldn't really put my faith into them trying to put preventative measures in place unless it was an actual like there's a legal like sort of document saying you know you have to have this number of people in and even then you know unless they're very strict about it unless they're going out and checking i don't think these clubs would follow it because oftentimes you see people under the age of 18 going into nightclubs where you have to be 18 you know i mean like i can speak from experience like it's quite easy for me or for quite a few people to get into these clubs while they're under the age of 18 and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of regulations about that you know so i wouldn't expect yeah look i mean yeah i think you really do need to see like proper legislation that would have to come in for them to actually just be forced to make this change Mm -hmm. but even then like i think we all know that enforcing laws in south africa isn't an easy thing Mm -hmm. i mean look i think there are enough issues with the police and I think it's pretty obvious that a lot of sort of laws just aren't properly enforced. So look, how, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you try keep these uh, restrictions in place? Because I mean, short of police just basically raiding clubs at night, I don't know how, how much there is that these, that law enforcement can actually do to keep these clubs from following the law when it comes to this. And, as you say, like it's really easy to get into a club when you're under 18. I mean, most places here yeah, don't ask for don't ask for ID. Like even if you go out to a bar or something which isn't necessarily a club, mm. you can still buy drinks if you're not 18. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, so, so, like, yeah, Luke. Sorry, sorry, Lucas. So as you were no, speaking about earlier, you know, there. I think after this pandemic has finally ended you know, people are going to be a lot more aware of germs. Um, They're going to, you know, currently now, as we sit in our homes, we are currently developing a pathological fear of contamination and germs, which is called mysophobia or germophobia, as you've heard. So I think actually when this lockdown has actually ended, you know, you, you know, there's all this hype on social media, I'm sure towards the end of it, oh, you know, we're going to throw the biggest party but at the end of the day, people are going to be like, hold on, we don't want to re- like, you know, a, re- a repeat of what we've just put ourselves through. So I think it's just a theory. I think that actually people won't want to go to these nightclubs because, you know, we are being, you know, we have been educated on this disease and how it spreads. And, you know, thank goodness for social media because it's keeping us all connected. And on social media, you know, we, we're learning day in, day out about, you know, new updates about this coronavirus. So I think actually a lot of people are going to be a lot more aware, you know, a lot more careful about going out, seeing friends, you know, coming in contact with friends. It's just, you know, it's just a theory. Mm-hmm. I think, uh... Yeah, I mean, I think all these people who are saying, yeah, biggest party ever, extremely naive. And Completely. I mean, you guys know I was planning a party, right? And Luke, you were saying I was going to have to cancel and yeah. like, yeah, you were obviously wanna, right about yeah, that. Yeah, but um, you know, even for me as someone who was organizing this thing and I put a lot of effort into it, it, it caused me a lot of stress ultimately. And, you know, there was a lot of work that goes into these things behind the scenes. And this sort of brings me on to the next point is about like this whole industry in South Africa, right? So 
right now we've seen that over 500 events have been cancelled here. And we're looking at tens of thousands of people's jobs. So it's important to note that when we're looking at how these events actually put together, right? So this is also, this mainly applies to more sort of festivals and one day parties rather Mm -hmm. than clubs, but we're looking at vendors being affected. We're looking at bar companies being affected, all the suppliers, the people who build the stages, the people who supply the sound, the artists, Mm -hmm. the DJs, you know, all the people, there's so much work that goes into this. Like even uh, just event security, that's, that's a huge industry here. Yeah. You know, it's obviously controlled quite a lot by sort of, uh, basically our version of the mafia. But <laughs> at the end of the day, there are a lot of people are still employed in the sector and it's yeah. difficult to think about how we're going to save it because, I mean, while some DJs, and I mean, I guess the best term to refer to them is producers who can still come out with their own music and do live streams and have sort of a Patreon page and like a PayPal account, they can still sort of get by. But all these people who work for all these supplier companies, who are ultimately just out of work Right. And I think it's important to remember that a lot of these people aren't necessarily always tied to their company in like a formal contract. Mm. Like a lot of events, I think, sort of hire and companies hire on an event to event basis. Right. So you'll sign up, you'll say, okay, I can work this event and that event. And now all of a sudden there are no events. Now you can't work at all. So, you know, also you might not then necessarily qualify to receive the right government aid that you should be getting for unemployment. So, I think, how do you think that this whole industry can be saved? Do you think there is a point in saving it? Or do you think that we just have to, or maybe even just face reality and realize that as a whole, this sort of whole industry of huge events where we see thousands of people attending, they just don't have that much of a future. What do you guys think about that? So I think, you know, it is a very harsh reality to accept, but... The threat that we're currently facing is obviously unprecedented. And this industry, as he said, you know, a lot of people have jobs in this industry's industry. And um, as we spoke about earlier, you know, in order for this industry to th- thrive, they need people to come to these events. They need people, to, you know, to want to go to these events or the nightclubs. You know, they, they need the demand. So... When you have regulations in place where you can't even, you know, be closer, um, you know, where you have to be six feet apart from each other, you know, how, how is, it, how is a, a festival going to work? Because it's a complete breach of the, of the regulations. And, you know, I wish, I really do wish and hope that, you know, this industry will be saved. But I think for the sh- short term, let's just say the next two to three years, I think this industry is going to take a real beating, you know, like, for instance, like the event at the end of the year in Plets or St. Francis Bay or in Joburg or Durban, wherever wherever these events are at the end of the year, or even throughout the year, like Rocking the Daisies, that, that, that was supposed mm. to happen. You know, it's just very unrealistic for these events to happen at the moment. And, you know, in the in the short term, within the next two to three years, because of how dangerous how dangerous it is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, I obviously, you know, I follow this, these, all these events pretty closely. And like, I get updates pretty regularly on social media whenever they post something. So for me, when I see an event company posting like, yeah, okay, so excited to announce this person coming in October, or we see like a lot of these events 
that were happening in March, rescheduling to later this year. Like, I think it's pretty naive of the owners to think that this is a viable solution. And I mean, look, everyone needs to have some sort of hope to hold on to because, like, you don't want to outright admit. And, like, I com- I completely understand event organizers who are saying, look, like, you know, we just have to hope that this goes ahead. But at the same time, you're probably just doing a, a disservice to the people who would be actually coming to these events. Like, if you're actively encouraging people to buy tickets to your event in October, I think that that's a really, really, like, terrible thing to do. Because even though, I mean, these event companies are still hoping that their events can go ahead, it's extremely unlikely that we're going to be seeing you know, events with thousands of people happening when they're saying this thing is going to peak in September here. Mm. Like, we're, we're just at the beginning of this, right? We don't exactly even know how bad it's going to get. It might not be bad at all. It might be really, really bad. So for all the events happening later this year, I think it's just pretty poor on the part of, like, the organizers of them for, to keep marketing them as such. Like, you can still put out... uh posts and you know keep the messaging going but to, to for like companies to actively go out and encourage people to buy tickets i think that's really poor and it's it's good to see that a lot of events aren't doing this but some are like some are still promoting their events pretty heavily and i mean guys like i think these people don't want to face the reality here. i mean yeah it's it's going to be really difficult these next few months, ultimately. And I think a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money at the end of the day. But, like, I think an interesting thing as well with arts and sort of funding of the arts. Now, like, I think it's important that we have good arts and cultural programs because it encourages a lot of creativity. But ultimately, I think art is a pretty subjective thing. So, you know, if people don't like it, it might be saying something about your art. But, like, we're talking about like possibly tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's livelihoods getting comp- and their income getting completely shut off just in this one industry alone. So, I mean, do you think it's just burning, like burning money if we keep pumping money into keeping these companies afloat? Because ultimately, will these uh, businesses still be able to operate after two years of nothing happening? Yeah, I mean, I've just, I was what do you just think about the numbers now. Um, just for example, Pled Rage, because we obviously, like me and Lucas went to that Dawson. You said you didn't go to, you weren't at Rage, right? No, I didn't go so, to Rage. Rage, Rage is very interesting. And Belito, Pled Rage and Belito Rage. Pled Rage is about 5,000 people who go. And the tickets cost on average 3,000 rand. Now that's about, well, that's like 15 million rand just in ticket sales alone. And if you think about it, 5,000 people within the Pled town for that sort of week period i remember speaking to a lot of the taxi drivers and the cab drivers there and they said that this that was the sort of main that was where they earned most of their money you know so those kinds of people are definitely going to be getting affected in the town of plet as well i read on their website now um that there's something called the plet rage fund so a percentage of the profits they earn gets donated to sort of like certain charities and or to like a feeding scheme or something like that. So it's actually, there's a lot more people getting affected outside of the, the event organizers. And I'm sure that 
thinking about like I've been thinking about it quite a bit because obviously my girlfriend's going to um let rage at the end of the year. The likelihood of it actually happening, you know, at the moment, people spent have already spent thousands of rand. Like most of the people going, as you know, have already booked their accommodation. So people have already spent thousands of rand yeah. preparing for this event that I don't really think will happen, you know. I think that matric finals are going to have to be pushed back. And we, who knows how long they're going to have to be pushed back. And obviously... Yeah, I mean... They're not... Yeah. You know, they've probably... The, the event organizers of events like that, Reg, have probably already organized and started booking the venues and booking artists, booking security, pre-ordering, like, the the vendors and all of that type of stuff, having the stages built. So it's not like they're necessarily able to move it back a few months or a month or two. So, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so like the current dates for Plet Rage. Sorry, Luke, I'm just want to finish this little point here. Sure. 27 November to 5th of December. And like for us, I think we finished finals on the Tuesday. Rage started yeah. on the Friday. I mean, hell, even if they push back finals by one week, yeah. like it's all thrown off because a lot of these artists are being booked, yeah. you know, already to now have to reschedule everyone's even the art, just to reschedule the artist's accommodation, their flights, there's so much stuff that happens behind the and scenes. people's accommodation. Like, I don't think it's possible. Like if you think about it, yeah, like I mean, most of the people, like, you know, you rent from someone, you know, you're renting the house from another family or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. If you move it back like a few weeks into the December holidays, you know, people are going to be wanting to use their houses and they might not be so willing to rent out their houses, you know, other people. Like other people might be renting them out already, so it's not like you can just move everything back a month. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this whole situation is like a complete disaster, and that there is no like good outcome of this. There's no outcome that mm. suits everyone. You just got to try work it and try find sort of best case scenario, which is it's not an easy decision to make at all because, as you say, like. Can you have pet rage over Christmas? No, mm. not really. I mean, and it's not just pet rage. Think about all the New Year's parties. Like, you can't have a New Year's party on, like, the 4th <laughs> yeah. of January. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think there's so much stuff there. And, I mean, with regards to refunds, like, you know, as you say, people are investing a lot of money into these events. I mean, like, for my event, I just couldn't offer people refunds because I'd already, um, you know, had a lot of expenses yeah. that I've had to pay. So what it came yeah. down to is whether I'm going to lose all my money or whether like everyone just loses like, you know, half of their ticket price, which is ultimately yeah. not that much. So, you know, it literally came down to a case of me losing like a thousand rand or everyone like losing 10 rand or not even because I said, you know, we'll have this again in the future. But like the reason that I didn't postpone it is because I mean to like December or whatever is because like, realistically, how can I, make a promise to people that something's going to happen when no one actually has any idea whether it's going to happen or not. But I don't think that if you like, if you don't know what's going to happen, I don't think it's the right decision to assume that it's going to happen. If that makes sense. Like you should almost be planning for the worst case scenario because ultimately the worst case scenario, especially in this case is like very, very real that that's going to happen. So it's really difficult and it's really shitty for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I think um, 
you know, the, the nightclub industry, the festival industry, they just have to accept that, you know, these next two years, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty about business, you know, because obviously the health of the population and the lives of the population, you know, has to be put first before the economy is able to function again. And, you know, we see now in America, for instance, where Donald Trump wants to reopen the country on the 1st of May, which is just simply impossible, mm. you know, and a lot yeah. of governors have disagreed with this policy. But, you know, it just it's just crazy to think that you can have a president who is so ignorant and self-centered. So and also just to add to Noah's point that he's speaking about earlier. So billions will realistically be lost, you know, over the next few years um, in this industry. But last year, just to put this into perspective, it's not only this industry, guys, that's going to be very badly affected. It's also, for instance, the tourism yeah. industry. You know, last year, they contributed nearly 150 billion rand to the SA economy, mm. right? That's nearly 3% of the real GDP, right? Mm. And, you know, they're relying on international flights, national flights, you know, the hotels. You know, it's also... It's, it's, it's everyone. everyone. It's it's, it's not everyone. just this industry yeah. that we have to, you know. It's just yeah. It's it is a very difficult situation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look. Another thing that's obviously quite common is house parties, right? And like, I think how do you? I mean, the police often come to house parties, and we see sometimes that they actually you know go into the property and you know check it all out and make sure everything's okay, or they shut it down completely. But like. We could be talking about a house party where the police come and literally like arrest everyone because they're breaking the law by having more than like 50 people in a venue. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I mean, another thing for me, and I feel quite strongly about this. And I, like, I know a lot of people don't feel strongly about this, but even once things are, you know, reopen, I'm not going to be that comfortable going out to a super crowded place. And like, you know, some people will be, but at the same time, this thing like spreads much easier than almost any STI. Yeah. Like obviously in South Africa, we have a huge problem with AIDS and stuff, but for AIDS to transfer, you know, in most cases it involves people having yeah. sex, right? Yeah. But for this, like you don't need to have sex with someone to uh, get coronavirus. You just need to literally be within like one meter of them, two meters of them. And you could, and you could easily get this, which is, Ultimately, it's a low mortality rate, but it's still life-threatening at the end of the day. Like, people, like, tens of thousands of people are dying from this. Thing. No, you know... So, I mean, yeah. like, in your personal capacity, how, how safe do you feel going out and, like, hanging out with all these strangers, even once things are back to normal? I mean, normal in quotation marks. Well, just to put that uh, story into perspective, so about three days ago, our, our geezer completely blew, which is possibly the worst time for the geezer to... <laughs> Oh, no, it was, it was, a, yeah, we didn't have on no, yeah, don't for the, for like, yeah, for about four days on half the side of the house, we didn't have hot water, um, including the, mm. the kitchen, which was a bit tough, but I'm not going to complain. So we, we obviously had to get a plumber in, you know, and it is against the regulations, but you know, I was freaking out. I was like, you know, it's a, this coronavirus has already put a hell of a fear in me as an individual. So I was freaking out. Then the plumber came around and he wanted me to help, help him with the ladder. And I was just like, dude, I'm sorry. You know, I can't no. do this. <laughs> it's already stressful as yeah. it is. So my dad just had to help. And, and I just, yeah, I just stayed in my room and I didn't come out until he left. 
And then even then, I was like, you know, how do we know that he hasn't been to the other customers? And then he did tell my parents, he's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. You know, I've seen hardly any customers, but he still has seen customers. Like, and that's just one person coming to our house, yeah. you know. So I think this virus has created a, a, a very strong sense of fear about germs and about, you know, leaving the house, go, like going to the supermarket. You know, like when our parents go to the supermarkets, you know, when they come home, I also, I also get very stressed out because I'm like, I don't know who they've come in contact with at the supermarkets, even though they're wearing a mask and, you know, potentially gloves. But yeah, it is, it is very, it, you know, when things do eventually return to normal, I think people are really going to struggle with, you know, leaving the house, going to social gatherings. It will be very, very difficult, you know, psychologically. Mm, that's true yeah i mean no what, what what are your thoughts on this i mean for me i don't like when this is over you know i don't particularly see myself being very enthusiastic about going to an overcrowded nightclub but i think as time goes on you know let's say this you know obviously this won't happen but let's say it ends in September, like october or whatever you know i wouldn't see myself going out within yeah. a month maybe not in a month but definitely a few weeks of the nightclubs opening you know just as a precaution to see whether or not there's a spike in cases or something like that. So, I mean, obviously, I'm still very cautious about, like, I've been to the shops twice, you know, when I go in, I wear a mask, don't touch my phone, I only touch the card or um, the money or whatever. So, and then when I get home, I wash my hands quite thoroughly, hand sanitizer, all of that. So, I'm obviously still being very cautious, but... I think I will probably try to keep up that same level of cautiousness when this is over in terms of personal hygiene. And I don't really like see myself going out to a nightclub, but I do, I could see myself going to see friends, but not in a like large numbers of people, you know, like I would see like maybe like five, six people at a time. But I think when it starts getting bigger than that, I might get a bit more yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, the, sort of guy who's leading the response in America, or at least trying to lead, Anthony Forci, he basically said that, yeah, guys, you're not going to be able to handshake people ever again. Like, mm -hmm. it's that bad. So, I mean, like, if you can't handshake them, surely you can't hug them. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's so there's so much that we're going to have to do to improve how how we keep ourselves hygienic in these environments. And, you know, how we interact with other people is actually probably going to have to fundamentally change in the future because... We don't want to go back here. And I think it'll probably be a repeating pattern now. I think it, we, we see a sort of a pandemic coming out every 10, 20 years, like Ebola oh. and swine flu. Oh. So, yeah. So these things, they, they, they're here to stay ultimately. And we can't just keep acting as if like nothing's happening. We really need to make really big, significant changes at the end of the day into our lifestyles and how we act in public like for me i'm not going to shake hands with a stranger probably ever again i mean why would you like it just doesn't make sense at the end of the day because who knows what the next pandemic or disease will be could very well very well be much worse than this you know we've seen pandemics and stuff in history which have a much higher death rate than this does so i think to sort of wrap it up like i think we've had quite a good conversation here about how clubs and stuff are going to operate and how really difficult it's going to be for them. But 
I think at the very least that we can, what we can agree on in terms of clubs being able to operate is that they're really going to have to make huge changes when it comes to how they manage hygiene, capacity, and all-round clean, cleanliness in these clubs. Mm. Because at the end of the day, people's lives are at stake here. And look, I don't think that these things can realistically open, as we've said, until everyone has a vaccine. So that's going to be couple of years they're saying at least a year for a vaccine they need to make billions of these things distribute them everywhere mm. it's it's a really it's a monumental task that's ahead of yeah. people um in terms of getting things back to a stage where we can still go out and enjoy ourselves and look at the end of the day that's what everyone wants to do everyone wants to be able to enjoy their life and going out with friends is a huge part of that for a lot of people so yeah. i just like to say thank you uh, to both of you guys for coming on and I think we had a really good discussion about this and yeah, um, I really do appreciate it. And we will definitely be doing this again in the future, maybe with sport or yeah, something else. There's not much sports to talk about. I think we, we have a lot of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, yeah. Uh, that is true. Um, but yeah, no, thanks again, guys. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks it. so much for having thanks, us. Man. Cheers. 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 Cheers.